1: All right, welcome back to Counter Charge. We are now with the myth, the man, the legend, Mike Horner of War Room Hobbies. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? Wonderful. So let's start with this question. Who is Mike Horner?
2: Who is Mike Horner? So I've been a gamer for, man, since I was like 12. So that's 25. A few years. Yeah, a long a few time. Years. Long time. So I uh, started out with playing 40K. Got really hot and heavy into that. Did a lot of competitive 40K for a long time in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> Is that where you're from originally, uh, yes. Born and raised there, uh, had some great shops up there, loved playing. Uh, the games had a great group, started a group called Gateway Gamers mm-hmm. up in St. Louis, about a hundred and something. They have people. a
1: convention, I think, right?
2: Yep, we got uh, I run Siege World still every year, we run that uh, every August, and yes. we run a big it started out as a big APOC game about 15 years ago, and then we expanded out into other events. So we've done everything from Warlord games, we tried Kings of War a couple years ago. Uh, we had a we had a group of about five or six guys that were gung ho, yeah. and then things kind of faded. We had our Ted T Didn't, have the, right Didn't yeah. have the right people. Didn't have our people. That's yeah. all. Yeah. So how in the world did
1: you end up in Memphis, specifically Arlington? If you're from St. Louis, why would you slum it all the way to Memphis?
2: Man, got got transferred. Okay. Got the, got the work train called. That's so, legitimate. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did retail for AT and T for man 16 years, and then uh, one day I got a visit from one of our leadership saying, "What's next for you?" And I was like, "Man." i got to do something different. And they were like, why don't you go do call centers? And I was like, oh, great. Call centers? That doesn't sound funny. Yeah. it, it You know, it, it was something different. I wanted to do something different. And uh, Memphis called. And uh, it was one of those things where they were like, I can't believe you want to go. My wife's actually from Tennessee. Oh, where, so sh- whereabouts? She's from uh, Gibson County, so the uh, city of Rutherford. It's about an hour and a half away. Okay. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I'm like, man, i got four kids. This will give her parents a chance to be close to the kids Absolutely. for a few years. So we moved to Arlington and haven't looked back since.
1: What's your tabletop origin story? You said you've been playing for a long time, but what is what's the game that you remember getting into that's got you onto the table?
2: My game that got me in was Cachetan Jungle Fighters. 40K. And a Layman Russ. So like second edition? Yep, yep. I walked in to a game shop. My buddy had got the uh, first like orc dark angel mix we played that on the tabletop and I was like man I'm tired of being orcs getting killed so I went to the store and the guy's like look at this I saw Layman Russ and I was hooked done so I uh, started playing 40k heavy got my butt kicked. This would have
1: been like early 90s probably. Oh
2: yeah Imperial Guards sucked like they yeah. were horrible but I loved them like there was nothing better than having a Tyranid for right. them, go through your ranks and by turn two and you've lost everything and I still love the game. So that, that was it. I was hooked on and uh, went crazy ever since. Played a little bit of Fantasy. Played a little bit of Empire. That was my game. I had a lot of, a lot of crossbows, a lot of handgunners. Yeah. So Empire a was a fun army. Yeah. A lot of poofy shirts. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, though. The game that really I would say... like I loved 40K. I loved uh, a little bit of Fantasy. But the game that got me like hooked to playing Weekly was Mordheim. Mordheim's a great to, game. To me, that was like the coolest thing. Like playing the small squad base, your guys changing. Yeah. Thinking I was going to like set up these crossbow men to just tear things up, and then they lose an eye. Yeah. And have I'm you like, be, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, have you played Frostgrave? <laughs> I have not. I have not. They've and been you, playing it on Sundays. Right,
1: and you, have you played
2: Vanguard? I've seen the demo. Yeah.
1: It's pretty good. I mean, those, I love those, those are kind of, of the next iteration, I think,
2: of Mordheim. Yeah. I like the skirmish-based games. I like the games where like my stuff can change as it goes through the, through the ringer. It's just getting that core group of guys, though. Like, I don't like the one-off games. I like the games. We've always been lucky, at least in my circles, to where you get eight guys Mm -hmm. at least. And they're willing to play it through no matter what happens. Right. Like, no matter how bad your gang gets, you just keep on chugging so everybody can have fun.
1: And sometimes in Mortenheim, some of the wonky stuff that happens in between the games where... It's it very weird some of the stuff that can happen, and it's sometimes disheartening. You're like, oh, you kind of lose well, a little, yeah. little bit of motivation. You're like, demotivation. You're like,
2: oh low. yeah, my my freaking ace <clears throat> snipers lost both of his eyes by like right. the second game, and you're like, how's this even possible? Exactly. So, well, awesome. So, what games are you currently playing? So right now, uh, obviously still forty k. Uh, getting into Magic because of the store. Yeah, so playing that with the girls. Had never played that before. Never I mean, I have some it.
1: decks and I've dabbled, but I've never. I would never consider myself a f- Magic player. No, but it's no. a fun game. If t- treat, treat it casually, it's it's been oh, fun. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Like a little bit, little bit of X Wing. I got into that. A little bit, a little bit of Legion. I've, I've picked up the uh, Song of Ice and Fire back when that Kickstarter happened. So. Trying to get playing I'm into that. I'm assuming
1: you got some Warlord games in there somewhere. I both do, action I conflict do have,
2: I do have. the Conflict 47. I got about 60 zombies to go along with guys with guns. Right. So I, I basically asked. I was like, I need. I need an army for Conflict that only has like four different units. Right. So that way I don't have to learn like too much crazy stuff. So it worked out perfect. So obviously, 40k is the main main game for you. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Love it. Where do you fall on the spectrum from competitive to hobby?
2: I probably dance around both. Um I depends on the event, right? So if I'm going to Adepticon, we're going to win. Like we're right. going to the team tournament, we're doing we're doing the hobby aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, we've made the hall the last three years. Like we're going there to win. This past year, I was the cause of us not placing in like the top. How does three. that make you feel? Uh it made me feel bad. It's the definition of um of uh, not playing an army that you're used to playing, but playing the thing you know you can that can win. So that's a problem being competitive. Is you get to like turn three and you're like, man, if I actually knew what this list could do, I could do really well. So that actually is what caused me to fall a little bit away from the competitive scene overall is just like the jumping to army to army. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I just don't even want to do this. So like my guard, my guard army right now is a Death Corps Krieg army. Right. So it's all fluff. Right. Like it's tons of infantry and tons artillery, of artillery. Tons of money. Yeah, it took money. like three or four years to build it all. I, I can imagine. But uh, about two years ago, my Adepticon teammates were like, "Let's make this army happen." So well, I've been good. collecting it forever, and I got. We just sat down for a summer and got them mm-hmm. all painted, and they look just awesome. That's so awesome. I play them, and if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. So on the spectrum, you're more. Would you say you're more of a sci-fi guy? Oh yeah, yeah. I like the sci-fi stuff. I, I definitely d- definitely lean that way um the fantasy stuff is cool um but i i will be honest like much like i think a lot of people when aos came out for yep. me i was like if i'm gonna play this i'll play 40k it's very similar right yeah. it's, so, it's fantasy 40k yeah and um and so not not anything disparaging against that game but i was like well i already i already played this game so i'm just gonna keep playing that game instead of you know I mean, you're playing a skirmish game yes. at that point yep and i'm excited to uh to get song of ice and fire guys i'm excited to uh with the new edition I, that's pretty much what i'm waiting for for kings third of 4, edition yeah comes out next is month is see what that looks like and then see how that works with uh some of the guys i want to get that look pretty cool so. so
1: you go to a lot of events what are the events for next year for you what are what are the can't miss events
2: can't miss events for me um i am going to do what i can to get to out to lvo uh definitely going to be at adepticon Yep, definitely going to be at ATC, mm-hmm. and then and that's
1: a big change for them. They've made the move. They're moving yeah. into June, and they've yes. got a new venue. So yes. it should be a, a, a an upgrade over the old uh, pole barn there. Yes,
2: exactly. Yeah, I look forward to that. So we got that, and then um, obviously once the store gets up and going, that'll probably increase the amount of events. Like I was probably last year, I went to an event every other month. Right, but with the store being open, just kind of got to scale back, back a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What are some of the best
1: runs event you've been to, and why?
2: Best run events, um, I will say, Iron Halo, Project. probably one of the biggest. Where's that? Ones. At? That's in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. It's okay. a forty k for charity event. Um, they do a really good job. So there's a uh, there's an outreach program that they host the tournament in. And so that group of volunteers basically cater everything. Like, they're coming to your table Oh neat. You and so they So they're, they're taking the profits. They're taking all the profits, yeah. 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 They got a cafeteria built into it, too. Um, just a really cool venue. He 3D prints, like, any prize he can think of. He's given out, like, a 3D Absolutely. printed, like, type of trophy for it. Um, walks around with a box of prizes, hands them out, the whole deal. That's awesome. I think, even though it's huge, I still think Adepticon is probably the prime. Especially parts. from a 40K player yes. perspective. Yeah. It's the, it's the pinnacle. Yeah, like you've got you've got not only a great venue, but just the amount of people um, that are there. Like I love the fact I'm an idol, so like I love the fact I can just walk around. There's pretty much something new the whole time. Um, and then from a from an on time schedule. Now for me, and the events I've done, they have never had an issue with being on time. Right. And if it says it's going to start, we're going to start. Because while there's been some other events where I've gotten stuck waiting like an hour and a half for like the next round to go. Right. And to me, that's just Crazy. Those are probably my. Those are probably the two most recent ones that I've just really loved. Well, let's
1: talk about Siege World. Yeah. Uh, start us off with a little history of the event.
2: Okay, so Siege World about 16 years ago, it was a group of guys that was actually Adeptus based Mentus. It was one of that one of that um, original groups uh, that was uh, still part of like even the Adepticon crew. They were yep. all in that same like little funnel in St. Louis for a while, and um, when they made the move to Chicago to run the first big event, the guys in St. Louis. Uh, Missouri were like, hey, you guys do that, and we're going to run just a huge APOC game here. And so that crew kind of broke off and said, hey, let's do that. So he first started off as Floor Hammer. Um, so this is before apocalypse. Like there were no rules, right? And so we well, would, you guys made rules. We made rules. Yeah, yeah. everything we did was uh, basically custom homebrew. We would use an entire ice skating rink. So they basically melt down the melt down the rink, have all the concrete floors. We played everything on the floor. We did that at uh, it started out as a college on uh, in the campus. Then it moved on to the uh, which which college? Uh, I believe it was UMSL University okay. of Missouri in St. Louis. Okay. Yeah, so that was uh, where they started out and then grew a little bit larger I believe it was in the early 2000s we had set the record for like 450,000 points so we had huh, the first big. like biggest record for one continuous game right. since then it's obviously like been broken a couple of times I think the record now is like 780 um, that's pretty large yeah and that's uh, so basically just on one big table but um, so I used to run uh, the 40k events at Daikon, which was in St. Louis, okay, uh, which is our smaller convention. And basically, just due to space and everything like that, we were growing, hooked up with Siege World again, because I'd been going to Siege World for years, and uh, we made the move and decided, let's combine it, and let's start a GT with us. Yep. So what year we, was that? That was 2015, was okay. the first year we got together and decided, let's try to do one big thing. So you're going to have, have the GT style and the Apocalypse narrative game. Yep. Yep. So probably in the last, I think in the last three years, we've tried a handful of different games. I know not that this past year we had obviously our fantasy, we had our we had our forty k, and then we had um, the APOC game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year prior, we were pretty we were pretty lucky. We had a warlord out there. We had infinity. Yeah. Um, but this past year, we made a move to a convention hall, and so we doubled our cost, and we we're like, we got to make sure we fill it. So yeah. this past year, we've limited it to that. But this year coming up, uh, so for 2020, we got the same convention hall, but the people running it came out and they were like, Well, you guys know you have this whole mezzanine area, right? And so you got a lot of extra space you it didn't even know you had. We increased our space 30%. So right. we could have had these other events. Right. So um, it's just been a continual growth. I think the first year that we did the GT, we had about 40 people, and last year we were up to about 82. Awesome. So it's been doing, it's been doing well. What's the future hold? You know, I, my goal is to get it to 100. To get the GT part to 100. 100 players. 100 players for just the 40K aspect. Where are you at now? We're at 82. Okay. But I'd like to add the other games. Yep. Because I think that's where it's So at.
1: we're talking Bolt Action and the yep. Warlord stuff, Kings of War. Yes, What definitely. else? Infinity?
2: I would like to do Infinity. I'd like to definitely get in the, the Bolt Action crew. Yep. Definitely Kings of War. Um, and really just anything that grows. I mean, really, that with the store now, like actually getting a better, better view of the different games. Mm-hmm. Like that's where we're at. Like trying to bring them in, and and we bring it in at cheap cost. So one thing about Siege World is, like, we don't make any money, right? Like I know a lot of people say that when they run these things, like we legitimately don't. Like there's three of us that all donate well over a thousand a year on it, and none of us get any of that back, right? Um, Because our cost is low, right? So we start out selling tickets at thirty bucks, and then if you're signing up the month out, then that's when you're that's when you're spending fifty, right? And we're giving out prizes the entire time. So exactly. we go out. We spend every dime we bring in on top of what we spend up front, we go out and buy prizes for it. So that when I'm walking around, like, I walk around for all five rounds for whatever event you're playing, and I got a big old box of prizes. You're the Dustin
1: from Adepticon. Just
2: yeah. walk around and hand out stuff. Just hand out stuff. Because I think that's what it's all about. Because you go to events, and, I, and you know, I go to big events that I know are bringing in serious amounts of, yeah. of coin, right? And I'm like, how am I not at least walking away with, like, two dice? Like, how am I not walking away with at least, like, Makes you wonder, where's
1: all the price for going? Yeah, exactly. We get
2: tons of stuff. Like, you know, we've got some just, you know, Alienware. JSEC and those guys are awesome. Mm -hmm. They do an awesome job. Uh, Skyboard Miniatures. Like, some of these just one-off conversion sites. Like. They especially do such a good especially for the 40k job. stuff,
1: right? Yes, because I mean, a lot of them are geared towards the
2: 40k side. Yeah, Skyboard's good though. With uh, they've got most of their stuff square, so no, like, they do you they towards like, hey, mm-hmm. if you if you're if you're going the fantasy route, they got tons of great stuff. Absolutely. Which, um, you know, and I, there's no reason why you can't have people walking away with good stuff. Exactly. Right? So like, even the guys who won the event, I think they're a little taken back because like this year, I was just <clears> like. We're not going to give you guys a bunch of boxes of stuff because you're just going to go either sell them on eBay exactly. or whatever. So instead, here's just some store credit. Done. Yeah. You know. You know what I mean. And I think most of the guys like that. The guys who are in the middle tables or the bottom tables, like they love getting bases. They love getting just something. Well, they're the ones you got to actually incentivize to come back.
1: Oh yeah. Because the guys at the top, they're coming back because they have. They're, they're there for the notoriety. They're there for the fame. They're there for the victory. Yeah. Give them a trophy. That's all they really. Exactly. That's all they really want. But the guys at the bottom, those are the ones that pay your bills.
2: Yes. Because if they
1: don't show up, you don't have a tournament.
2: Yep. And we've done a thing. Uh, we didn't have anybody take advantage of it last year, which is really weird. But we've always done it to where anybody who drops from the main events can come join the APOC game, and you know basically do that for free. And so that makes it pretty advantageous. The first couple of years, we had a ton of people that did it. Like anybody that basically lost their first two or three games, they had, they knew that that was going to happen, so they had like four thousand points of Marines in their car. Well, let's talk about that. So is that common
1: in my history with fantasy and? Kings of War, it's kind of considered uncouth that you lose your first round and you drop the from the event. Like that's like persona and Grata. But this past year I was talking to the folks at uh, they were in the X Wing tournament and I guess that's pretty common. You know, I mean you might start with three hundred, you might end up with one fifty.
2: Yeah, we, like I said, I think we lucked out this past year. We started out with, like, 82, and we ended with, like, 78. That's pretty good. The thing. year prior, though? Yeah. We had, like, 20 people drop after day one.
1: Just because they can't win now, so. Yeah,
2: I think so. A lot of people making the drive back or, you know, sad feelings, you know. So maybe they're playing it wrong, though, right? Maybe maybe yes. they're in it
1: for the wrong reason.
2: Yeah, I do I do think that. I will say that watching the game now compared to when I started, like we, like we just talked about a minute ago, like, I remember getting tabled, by turn three and like still f- thinking it was the funnest thing I would ever done yes and I think now with the over promotion of the game the way it is with 40k that's kind of made me step back you know because people are just policing stuff like crazy that in my mind shouldn't even be an issue
1: you mean in terms of like the modeling or in terms of the rules
2: gameplay the <laughs> rules like trying to find any way to find cheaters or oh, anything like that like yeah. we we've talked a lot about this you know, the GW, my theory is
1: their game style is more of the gotcha game. It is designed for those alpha gamers that want to build those really tough lists. And yeah. I gotcha, you, you didn't know, and now your army doesn't work the way you thought. Yep. And maybe that does, if you like that style of gameplay, you have a game system. It works perfect. But
2: I just wondered if that method. No, it is. It's exactly what It is a certain kind of player. Because, you know, one of the things that's been in our packet since I've taken over both the tournament and the big games for all of our events is the rule of intent. Like, that is the way I am as a TO. Right. Like, if I walk up and there's a questionable thing that happens, it's always a rule of intent. Right. And I'm going to knock you down a tier if your opponent had no idea what was going on. Right, if you didn't explain your intentions. Or if there's an argument, like there's a lot of times that I find these games where if you just say, hey, I'm going to do this so that you can't do this, that this is what I'm doing to make sure that was my intention. Yes. And then they'll just say, and they'll say, yeah. Like I've seen games where I, I, you know, both on both sides of it where I play, and if my opponent says, hey, I'm going to try to do this so that you can't, I'll be like, okay, let's see if we can make it work. Yeah. Then that way, when we get to my turn, I go to try to do my thing. We're not having a 20-minute argument where I'm just like, well, that may have been what you wanted to do, but you didn't, you didn't succeed. It's better to d- solve the problem before you yeah. have the problem. And, 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 you know, it kills me in these games is that they're a turn-based system. Like, it's not like me knowing what you're doing during your turn can stop it. Like, I, I may have a couple things up my sleeve that I can play when you're trying to do your thing, but there's not much. And a lot of the crap that goes on in these games and the, and the disconnect and the, and the hurt feelings is simply because like you said, it's a, it's a gotcha thing. Right. Where. It's a lack of communication. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's great that we're getting new rules all the time. Like a new book seems like it's dropping like every month. But it also goes along the side of people don't know what stuff does. Well,
1: you know what's interesting? Because we just had a conversation with the guys from Malaysia and one and Paige brought up the way 40K releases content, which is the codex method. Mm-hmm. It does two things. One is it's it almost forces that continuous how to, you know, uh, chasing that dragon. You're just like, yes. and, it, and it kind of
2: it's hard to keep up. And not only that, you also what you'll find is that as you're chasing that dragon, there's going to be that one player who's actually a really good player. They're going to go back like six books and they're going to really find out what a book can do. And then when they pull that back out, everybody's blown, blown their mind. Yeah. And and that's like when I played like the competitive sense. Yeah. It was back when a book only dropped like once a quarter if right. you're lucky. Right. And so you knew the game and you didn't get game. and that's the way i kind of look at it was if all the rules are out there and i'm building my stuff like you can you could almost make you could almost make anything good right with the exception of stuff that didn't get updated for like 10 years um but even those like people have a lot of heartburn right like people still lose their mind over forge world models and stuff like that which i think is hysterical because i'm just like you're 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 arguing about you don't know the rules well you don't own every codex either like, right. It's just as easy to go get that illegal content for Forge World as it is for you to go download all the current codexes here. So if you really wanted to know, you could have. Right. But that is a lot of pain points. And I, and you know, one of the things that that I'm excited with the uh, with with you know, Kings of War game mm-hmm. is I like the way they're doing it, where they drop all the rules and all, know, all
1: the armies are released
2: together. Yeah.
1: or Theor- within two books, which are a month apart, and the yeah. the, the theory oh, yeah. is they were all play tested and balanced together so it's not like six months from now they're going to release another book which then they have to retroactively go back and try to rebalance i mean everything's balanced
2: yeah yeah and i and i think gw tries to do a mix of that like they're they've got their chapter approved and they got their faq that like just dropped yesterday Uh, well
1: and i think with aos they're trying to go the mantic route which is annual handbooks yeah which is the only way to do it right you've got to every year just give us a new it doesn't have to be a whole new rule set but just fix it you know if you you have some problems you got to repoint it do it you know whatever i I haven't played don't play aos but i I assume the handbook just gives it a fresh coat of paint
2: every year yeah no and i think that's the that's i think that's the difficulty level with most of these games is how do you not like i do have a little i do have a little part of me Mm -hmm. that thinks uh the way gw drops like the super uber unit and waits till man, they've just sold like gangbusters, and it's like forty-five days later, FAQ drop, yeah. and you're just like, what? Yeah. So, stuff like that gets a little annoying. But that's also too. That's the risk you run.
1: That's marketing, though, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I mean you you want to sell models? That's really yeah. the best way to do it. You, yeah. You move, move that product. You make the stuff that's new good, playable, mm-hmm. and exciting. All right. Well, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the war room. Where did yeah, the insp- buddy. where did the inspiration for running your own game store come from?
2: Man, so that goes back probably probably when I first got married. So I uh, went to school in Murray, Kentucky. The Murray State? Murray State racer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, buddy. And there was like no hobby shop. How so did I, you end
1: up in Murray, Kentucky from St. Louis?
2: Pretty simply, they were the one that offered me the most money Okay, that required the least amount of payment to the school. So I got into three schools. I got into Mizzou. I got into North Carolina. And then my girlfriend in high school at the time was like, I want to go to Murray State. And I was like, oh, I'll go check it out. And uh, basically, scholarship-wise, it cost us like three hundred dollars. Okay. I think for were my you first playing football two years, or were you done? No, I actually went to school for a speech and debate scholarship. Okay. Yeah. So I got a, I had a scholarship for volleyball and football at other schools. Yeah. And I did speech and debate in high school. And right. As a side comment, said something to a recruiter at Murray State, and they were like, "Oh, we have one of those teams." And I was like, "Oh, okay, whatever." And they were like, "No, no, no, like we'll." That'll get you a lot of money. So I was like, oh, well, that sounds a lot better. When I got there, I took like a lot of my hobby stuff because, you know, I was I was the, I was the closet nerd mm-hmm. coming in. And there was nothing there. It's in the middle of nowhere, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I had no car, so I couldn't drive to like a bigger city to do anything. So I just kind of put everything away. Never really went anywhere. Mm-hmm. Just worked for, uh, worked for the, the company I'm at now and got transferred back to St. Louis as a lucky thing. And then when I got to St. Louis, there was a couple shops locally. What were they? When I got back to St. Louis, and the shop that I started playing in was called Fantasy Shop. Fantasy um, Shop. Fantasy Shop. Yep. And if uh, if anybody that probably runs like a like a game shop knows anything about like the history of stores, like this was like the cream of the crop store. That most people would know about. And, um, and want to emulate. And want to emulate, yeah. Um, the, the owner, his name's Dave, he's been running this store for just years. And it, he's any, he's had anywhere from one store to like 15 stores that all flew under the banner of Fantasy Stop So He had about four or five in St. Louis. And then we had a little store that came along with a, with a little idea. And uh, that was called Miniature Market in St. Louis. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of blown up on the scene the last yeah, 10 years or so. yeah. I remember when he was getting started. He was. They did a great job. Like they built up the community. They did a ton of great events. They had a, They had a decent sized store with play space. But then just one day, he just decided to shut down his uh, brick and mortar, and technically had a brick and mortar. But it was connected to a factory, basically. Okay. Or a uh, big warehouse or something. Big warehouse. Mm-hmm. He had the you know, the little, very, very limited hours, no table space, nothing. Right. And when that happened, my wife and I started talking to open up a sho- up a store. And what year was this, do you think? This was probably 2010, maybe? Okay. Yeah, so probably like 2010, 2011. By the same time, we were looking at either doing that or doing a Chick-fil-A. But right. here's the thing. Great program. Like, yeah. If you don't have money and you want to work your tail off, they are an awesome franchise to get into. Right. But when you get like in the nuts and bolts of it, you're basically working for them, but calling yourself an owner, which is fine. You can make a lot of really good money, but you may not actually make the money you think you're going right. to make owning a right. business. Right. We, we got like down to like the semifinals because you have to go through all these steps to get approved. Mm-hmm. And I basically just like asked the guy, I'm like, okay, so I buy the product from you. Then I pay a fee for the product I sell. Then I pay another like other. And I'm like, it's a lot of fees. They're like, yeah. I'm like, and if you got, and the other thing too, like you have to be there like every day. Right. Which I'm doing that now yeah. opening this store. And we see that at most Chick-fil-A's, right? Yeah. The owner is there. But that's like the that's standard. Great. Like you can't, you. it's very rare. It's like less than 2% of the owners own more than one. That's probably why they ran so well. Mm. My plan was to try to open something, train people, because my history was open a store, train a manager, train a team, and then open another one. Did you ever think about if I open up a store, it's going to ruin my hobby? Yeah. You make your hobby your business and you no longer have a hobby at that it point? It was. It was. But I think the the cool thing about, um, I think where my hobby's kind of gone is, and I think you could probably relate to this a little bit, maybe. I don't know. But when I took a step back from trying to win like mm-hmm. events and started running events and then started trying to coordinate the, the, the club. Right that became the hobby almost. Like the hobby became... It's a social experience. Yeah. How do I get more people involved? How do I make it so people actually enjoy this? Police the whack players and try to balance in the hobby guys. And that became the hobby. So to me, running the tournaments, like I was probably running a tournament every other month at the local stores. Right. I was doing the GTs, doing all that stuff, doing the charity events, and really not getting paid for any of it. Because they're just like, oh, here's $10 in store credit. And like, cool i've been here 10 hours that's right like i love you i'll take it and that became the hobby be the guy who connects people and so then the idea of opening a store was well i'm gonna do all this labor do all this work why not really do this so we were all set to to do something in st louis um really the biggest problem was we couldn't find the space for rent and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that made sense and then all of a sudden got the call again that said hey you're moving to memphis that you're moving to Memphis. And so I was like, okay. And I was excited actually to actually come down here. We had came down back in 2014 for big A pocket. we brought the whole apocalypse club from St. Louis to the bunker uh, yeah. when there was one. Yeah. We did t-shirts, the March for Memphis, the whole deal, brought the whole crew down. So when I found out we we're coming here, I was like, this is awesome. Like there's uh Mid-South Hobbies. I had visited them when I came down and I guess I just caught it on a on a really good day, right? And I was like, "This is phenomenal!" Like, well, they obviously GW's presence here.
1: Yes, from a forty k perspective, it's a pretty good place. And in fact, when we moved to Memphis, one of my prerequisites were you have to have a fantasy scene. So, I mean, with the yeah. bunker here, yeah,
2: it may be smaller than forty k, but we had a scene here that was exactly, yeah, exactly. And I think, and I think that was probably the coolest thing about coming down. But then very quickly. Uh, man, I <laughs> wasn't here probably like two months. Mm-hmm. Tried to play my first game at one of the shops, and got there after work, and they were like, "We're shutting down." I was like, "I was like, how do people get games here?" And they're like, "Oh, a lot of people just play at home." And I'm like, "Ah, I'm not a big home guy. Like, I want to go. I work. have There's a game room, but I don't
1: use it. i paint yeah. in it. I do hobby in it.
2: Yeah, like I might invite somebody over to play every once in a while. But that was pretty disappointing. Then tried to go to the couple other shops that are around. They're just smaller, or they just were very cluttered." It really. I mean, didn't were they a game me. shop or were they a flea market or a pawn yeah. shop? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and I think that was my challenge. So then that's probably where the first year or two I was here, I just went to play in events. Yeah. And I told my wife, I was like, hey, I'm not playing weekly, so once a month I'm going to travel and go to a tournament uh, mm-hmm. and try to hook it up with work to where if I'm traveling to work, I'll just pay extra and stay for the weekend and go play in an event. So you've been to a lot of stores. Yep. Over your long, illustrious career.
1: What are some of the best practices for war gaming stores? Tabletop gaming stores that you've seen and and you are going to implement here at the War Room.
2: Clean bathrooms. Yes, that's a number. Stocked. That's the number one thing. Stocked. Yeah, clean. I had bathrooms. a friend
1: that owns the TC War Room up in Traverse City, Michigan. And he told me one side. He goes, "If you ain't got it, you can't sell it." A lot of the stuff is impulse buy, believe it or not. And oh yeah, if, you, if the guy shows up to buy a box of demonettes, you gotta have a box of demonettes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably, the way it
2: works. And that's probably the number two. You know, I've gotten. Um, Spent about six months building up stock before we ever even opened the store. Right. And just did that kind of with my own money. And, and you're also putting building up a clientele, right? Yes. So, like, we started uh, we started meeting at my house. So at one point at my house, we had uh, probably three or four 40K games going. We had two or three bolt action games going, stuff like that. But really just to ask questions of locals. Yeah. You know, because I kind of knew the game's workshop scene, right? Like, I could figure that out. But really talking to guys like you. Talking to the guys who do the bolt action, talking to the guys who do infinity. Absolutely. You know, and really trying to dive in, deep dive with them. You know, because it is tough. Like the 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 thing is is you gotta have stock, but you also gotta make sure you got stock that people are playing. Well, you wanna turn your inventory. Yeah. You don't want it to sit there
1: forever. Yeah. Then have to liquidate it. Oh yeah. You wanna carry stuff that they're gonna purchase.
2: Yep. Yep, and I think the other thing that most groups—I won't say they—they they do it wrong. I just don't see how it's how it's getting them to the next level. I think it's the play space. I think it's the space to where guys can get together, right, and do events, right. And you've got to make that decision. I think as a store, as are you going to be mainly retail space, or are you going to have a mix? And when you say you're going to have play space, do you actually have play space? Absolutely. So what you
1: said so far is clean bathrooms keeping an inventory of stuff that players actually want to buy and a place to play. Yep. Yep. What else were you able to pull from your retail
2: background? Well retail background I think the biggest thing is gonna be location. You know that's probably one of the biggest things that you gotta feed off of your outside factors. So you gotta balance that out, right? So knowing gamers mm-hmm. and knowing location, this location we've got, you know, we got a really good price from a square footage standpoint, mm-hmm. got really good terms to get us started, being able to negotiate that and go in really with a mentality, and I would tell us to anybody who's trying to like either open retail or any kind, go in there and be as aggressive as you can in the first three meetings with your with your future landlords. Because they want you more than you want them. Yes. Because they want to fill that spot because every day that they haven't filled it, they're not making it. It's a buyer's it. market. You've got to have that ready to go and you gotta really know what you want. So that so so what happened with us is is we met with the leasing agents and stuff like that. I made a list of stuff that I wanted. I said, we've got to have X amount of food within literally a five-minute walk. That's, that's exactly what my notes. Proximity yeah. to food is like the most if important thing for a location. Yeah. If you don't have that, it's fine. But don't expect people to leave and come back. I mean,
1: that's part of the problem that the existing bunker had. Yes. There's no food anywhere by that place. No. It's in an industrial park. And, and so when you leave, it's, it's a big to-do to go and come back.
2: Yeah. And more than likely, you're just not you're not going to. You're going to pack up your stuff and you're going to bug out. But if I can go somewhere in five and be back in five, I'll probably just leave my game kind of there because I trust the group that's there or whatever. And I'll come back. And if I can lock you in to be here all day, that's great. Right. Because that's an advertisement piece. So retail says location, location, location. Yeah.
1: What about Chick Fil A? Did you learn anything through that process that you were able to apply to the war room?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing there is just being aggressive when you're trying to bring people in, like really understanding who they are, and it's not always just hey, find a nice guy. Right. Nice like, guys don't don't no. necessarily work. I I mean, no, you, you need a nice person, a but you've got They've got to have a backbone, and they've got to be yeah, yeah, goal oriented. Yeah. And I think too is and, and from the same standpoint of going into the lease situation is also have it very clear what the expectations of the shop are. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, Chick fil A does a really good job of saying, hey, these are our like non negotiable. So just as you're running a tournament, right, you've yep. got your you got your um, sportsmanship non negotiables, you've got to have those as a store to say, Hey, these are the non negotiable issues that there's no budging on and that's just the way it is. It's not even a discussion of, oh, you're gonna get in trouble. No, no, right. no. It's not negotiable, as in, there's. I'm not even going to talk to you about it. Like right. this is stuff that's expected, and really sticking by those morals. And and two, you've also got to kind of do that with even the hobby guys, with the with the with the gamers. You know, so when you say, hey, you know, we're closed on Monday, you're closed. Yeah, we're not going to make an exception. Like, there's a reason why you scheduled it like that. Yeah, you've got to also stick to your guns with your uh, delivery guys. Like one of the big things we ran <laughs> into the first. You know, two weeks being open was our delivery guys were like, well, I really want to deliver a 10. Be like, well, can't. No two. one's here until 1.30. Yeah. So come then. You know, and 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 the problem is for most people, you'll back down if you don't, if you're not prepared to have that discussion. Because a regular person who maybe is coming from, a, from other kinds of backgrounds, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, they told me that this is when I had to do it. So I'm going to try to make that work. But then mathematically you gotta think, you'd be like, okay, either you're gonna be there or you're gonna be paying some guy ten bucks an hour to just just to to receive that at the shop for basically four hours. You're gonna pay forty dollars for a guy to sit at the shop, maybe you're gonna get that delivery, maybe you're not. Right. You know, so stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you've gotta be very, you know, stick to your guns. And also too, the challenge is your your customer base, right? Absolutely. You know, and even some of your, you know, employees, people are really excited for you to go spend your money. Oh stuff. yeah, they're ready to sell you everything. You know? Yeah, oh yeah, let you carry lots and, so, and lots of inventory. And so just trying to like pull people back and say, hey, we're we're gonna do that, but we're not gonna do it. But you yet. got a plan. Yeah,
1: and it's gonna be phased in.
2: Yeah. So what about some of the
1: things you've seen from other stores that they've done things wrong? What are some things you're absolutely avoiding?
2: I think probably the overbuying. I think is probably what you see from a lot of stores. So you get out your loan, right? So all of a sudden your store's open. You got lots of money. And so you just go buy a ton of stuff, you know. So you got two ends of that spectrum. You got the spectrum of you went and just bought Gangbusters, everything you could get. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're three or four months in, and you don't have any money. Right. And so then that, that happens is now we're doing special orders, and I'm using and that special order yeah. money to go buy inventory that isn't what people special ordered. And so now you're in a hole because that next order people didn't buy. And yeah. so I think that's probably. One of the biggest problems is the monetary aspect. So, so lack of cash management is causing lack, some failures. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably the um, probably one of the biggest failures. The other failure too is I think the owners themselves, you know, just from from my experience and, and helping a lot of people do their own businesses, like the owner needs to be prepared to not basically pull a dime out for six months minimum. Yeah, minute. And, and it's an investment. Yeah, if you're planning on quitting your job and jumping into a, your own business. And making money right off the bat, you're probably gonna, you're probably not gonna succeed unless you just have the best idea ever. Right. And I think that's a challenge with something like this is, you know, you're not bringing in a ton of money. I mean, I it works for me because I got a day job, mm-hmm. and so I come up here at night. So pretty much the profits we make go into that next batch of you know money, right? Like we didn't have a cooler yeah. when we opened because I mentally decide I'm gonna try to find a used one, mm-hmm. right? You know, we didn't go out and buy, and it took you a few weeks to find yeah. it. and we didn't go out and buy, you know, a bunch of pre-made, prefabricated gaming tables. Nope. Right. So I went around the gaming community and was like, not not necessarily like how do I hodgepodge this together, but who has skills? <clears throat> yeah. Right. So like, we knew a guy who knew how to weld. We had a couple guys who knew how to do some metal work. So we went out and we found a metal place locally that got us all the metal we needed for a good price. You know the tables that we have um, to buy them done would have been a few. You know, could have been thousands of dollars. And so, you know, just doing stuff like that, I think is is probably the the best way is it, it cannibalize <laughs> your Craigslist, your Facebook Marketplace, your stuff like that. Um, but try to get things that coordinate with each other. So, you know, we got we get. It took a while, but mm-hmm. you know that was one of the advantages of uh, of doing. You know how we did is that we were able to get like. You know, most of our retail racks and things like that, we got for 10% of what they cost brand new. It's almost like they were paying you to get rid of them. Or you were paying them to come pick them up. A lot of them were that way. Because you'll find a lot of retail places that have just gone out of business. Absolutely. And they're just trying to get rid of stuff. What did your
1: research into the Memphis area? Obviously, a lot of it was, foot. you know, you're on the ground, going to stores, talking to the
2: community. What did it tell you about running a store, a gaming store in Memphis? Well, most people in Memphis were like... Everybody's tried. Everybody's failed. Good luck. Number one yeah. feedback I got from most people was, hey, this place did well for like a year. This place did well for like two years. But when you dug in, a lot of the people that I talked to, the missing ingredients I think was the the, the, the space itself, um, the hours. It was location. It was also knowing being realistic with your expectations so like there's been some stores that were that were here that have actually been really successful but either they tried to grow too fast or the owners tried to take a back seat too fast and hire too many other people you've also got situation where you had some successful stores who put that put the store itself in the hands of somebody else and just tried to go vacation mode so hobby town's a great example like the original owners did a great job. The whole deal. Wanted to retire. Gave it to their kids, and their kids just basically tried to milk it for every penny it had. That's that's what happened. That, and then a business. Yeah, that's that's the deal. You got to decide really what you are, right? Like if you're going to be a tabletop game store, be a tabletop game store. So the way I would phrase it
1: be a game store not a clubhouse yes that's yes. another thing that i see occasionally with failures are folks are just running it as a service to their friends no you're yes. there to make money yeah you've got to be a sustainable business
2: yeah because when their friends when your friends dry up and stop buying stuff like they're not going to come pay your rent i think a lot of those are the challenges and again it goes back to i think the lessons learned from like going through a chick-fil-a process running retail for years is hey we can all be cool But at the end of the day, it's a business. Absolutely. We're going to stick to the principles we laid out from the beginning. If those principles need to change, I'll be the one to change them. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why you're going to be successful and already have shown some success
1: is that you built a community before you built the store yeah. and then that community can be the foundation on which the store is built oh, and, then, yeah. and then
2: it's leverage, right? I, I never would have done this if it wouldn't be for guys like yourself, guys like Morgan Evans, Nick Gunther, you gotta say Nick because Nick, 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 Nick Gunther Nick
1: single-handedly will keep your store going. Yeah. Nick
2: is the best. Nick not only buys out of one, one, uh, one hobby supply, he buys out of all of them. We determine new product lines to bring in because of Nick Gunther. If it wasn't for those groups, then I, I really probably wouldn't have even tried, right? because I know I can't, I couldn't physically do it myself without, again, paying another person to come in and trying to coordinate all the
1: games. And we'll talk about the diversity of games in a minute, but I want to ask you about the the name of the store. Where would that come from?
2: Joe Putman. Well, he came up with The War Room. Again, most of the stuff that we've done has been basically from the group perspective. Mm -hmm. Retail rules, stuff like that came from me, but mainly the the hobby aspect and and the name. Because I just threw it out there. We have a group Facebook Messenger of like 12 people. I'm like, guys, what should we call this thing? I mean, I already had a name that I had for a store in St. Louis It wasn't going to work here. So I was like, I need a new name. Right. He just threw out the war room, and I was like, let me do a quick Google search. Cool. Let's do it. Nothing in Tennessee has that. Yeah. And it conveys
1: what the store does. Let's talk about the logo. You obviously had a first revision. Is it true that your wife vetoed your first version of the logo?
2: Yes. First version of the logo we had a shield with a uh, sword and an M16 across the front of the shield. Like literally to the def- definition of what I gave him I was like alright dude so this, this store is going to have dice, swords, guns, futuristic battle, stuff like that. And the name's War Room. So figure it out. So the guy gave me uh, six different logos and that was the one I was like, did you, awesome. Did you use a service like Fiverr or what? what? No, it, the guy he actually did, he's done the logos for our uh, game club in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Matt Cochran. I and mean, we just sent him basically anytime yeah. we ever want anything done. Uh, I sent it to him and it's like a hundred bucks and he sends me like six different logos. Awesome. pick which one I want.
1: And then he'll
2: refine that. He'll refine that basically as many times as you want <laughs> you know, awesome. until you say, hey, I'm done. Yep. And then Anything you want after that is basically like 20 or 30 bucks. They'll change fonts and colors and stuff like that. So that's awesome. And he sends you like 10 different versions like anything yep. you want, like no background, the white background, yep. the black background. So you don't have to oh, mess yeah. around with it. You've got all nope. the files you need. Got every file I need. So I had it. I was like, this is great. I had the shield and the war room was kind of written next to it. And then wife and sister were like, I don't think you should have one of those with all the stuff going on with like guns and stuff. Yeah, and so so like, no M16. Yeah, no M16. I basically just took like three of his logos and mashed them all up. Yes. Took the dice from one logo, threw it on top of the shield, took swords, mm-hmm. threw swords behind the shield because I really liked the whole shield logo. Because what I was going for is I wanted not only the name with the logo, with the, like the logo itself with name and like some kind of picture, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be able to take a picture eventually and use just that for different things. And so yeah, that's the logo itself
1: about. without the words War Room yeah, should convey that this is, once you have enough brand identity, that'll be, yeah. it's like the AT&T logo, right? You don't exactly. need the AT&T exactly.
2: Same thing. You don't, you don't ever need to see the letters. Sent it off and uh, that was it. Everybody loved it. Sent it back to the group that came up with the name. It was like, what do you all think? And they were like, great. Even though some of them, though, were like, when I set the first one over, they were like, oh, you're going to have a gun on it? And I was like, yeah. They were like,
1: yeah. yeah let's welcome to Memphis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where did the red and black come from for the colors?
2: So red is actually a color of buy. So typically from a, uh, like, just emotional sense. Mm-hmm. If you put, like, red backgrounds and things like that behind things, it causes the peop- the, the brain to make It makes them buy faster, ones. right? Isn't that a yes. do thing? It
1: makes them buy faster.
2: Yeah, it makes them buy fast. Kind of the same thing with cars. Like, they say red cars get more tickets. Yep. Um, it makes you act I think that's that's the deal so back from my eBay days for and doing eBay for since 2002 most of the backgrounds on most of my pictures always have red in them mm-hmm. because it just innate something in your brain so did the red like the black because I wanted to basically play off both you know because I just, just figured easy you were an Atlanta Falcons fan hell no Los Angeles Rams baby oh, so you're
1: a guy that is okay with them moving to Los Angeles oh
2: heck yeah oh okay. yeah yeah yeah. my uh, actually Nina the one that's here now she's the one that made. she made perfect sense she's like I mean your work transferred to you. They transferred. It all makes sense. I was like, yeah, works for me. So let's talk about your
1: plan. You talked a lot about location. Yeah. Proximity to food was important and obviously where you're located there's tons of fast food places because you're on a, a central thoroughfare of Cordova, which is the suburb of suburbs of yeah. Memphis. Yeah. Let's talk about the range of products you're carrying.
2: Yeah. So right now we've obviously got. Uh, we started out with really we started out with Warlord, probably number one. Been mm-hmm. selling Warlord since November. Yeah. Bolt Action, Conflict Forty Seven, yep. and all. I mean they have a ton of yeah. systems. And they and they honestly probably <coughs> from just working with somebody getting started, they were the best. They they pretty much bent over backwards to help us get going. Yep. Um, gave us some great deals. So we carry we carry uh, Warlord products, which goes, you know, all over the place. Uh, Games Workshop, obviously. Located uh,
1: here in Memphis, it's yep. hard not to, you know, yeah. and, and they're the juggernaut, let's be honest.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and getting into everything, really, their margins are in line with everybody else's from a right. retailer standpoint. So you're not really losing out, and their stuff costs more. So and and to be fair,
1: money. they don't compete
2: with you, right? No. So they're
1: not giving discounts to their – No. So that's, that's, that's a big deal, right? Because there are companies out there that, oh, yeah. that do discount to the same customers that they're –
2: you know, yeah. So that
1: kind of like you know that kind yeah. of a problem sometimes. Yeah,
2: I, I will say I'll go back to Warlord for just a second too. That you know if you find a deal on their website, nine times out of ten, your local retailer can get you that same deal. Mm-hmm. You just got to ask them, and so they're really good about you know helping out their local retailers to match that stuff. Because I see a lot of stuff, a lot of haterade on the Facebook from retailers being like, "I can't stand Warlord doing these deals." But it's mainly just because they don't want to deal with the work, right? right? And you got to be willing to do that. So we got Warlord, right. we got Games Workshop. Um, We brought in, you know, obviously some Mantic stuff, Yep. Um, Yep. you know, trying to get you guys started, which was really, um, really good for us, you know, to try to support this group because you guys have been one of the ones that have come in pretty hot and heavy with the Kings of War stuff. Mm -hmm. Have them. We've got Corvus Bell. Uh, yeah, from Infinity. Yeah, they they were they were a good one to catch. We uh, we unfortunately couldn't find anybody locally that could really carry the Infinity models on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with a distributor out of UK, which was killing me on shipping. All my price cuts for product, you're losing like, it when yeah, you're shipping. Yeah, it from the so UK. we were we actually for our first order from them, we lost money because of how much they they hit us for uh, the shipping stuff. So we got in with Corvus Bell. They're helping us out a lot, and then Southern Hobby, which is out of Nashville, they're helping us out. They're a really too. great distributor. Yeah, we've got them, and then we've got Alliance. Yep. Recently just signed up with Asmodee. Yeah, so,
1: Asmodee is amazing. Yeah. Obviously, that's all your fantasy flight stuff, but also board, also games. board yeah. games up the wazoo, right? Yeah, so. they, we
2: got in with them to carry their bestseller for board games. Those are probably been the big ones. Yeah. We, uh, we just recently sent up all the stuff that uh, the Wizards, Wizards of the Coast want for Magic. Yep. Uh, you know, we had to do a video, uh, had to send them in blood Work. Yep. Uh, had a sentiment, you know, lots of documentation and things like that, which is good on them because, you know, they know their brand is going towards, you know, high school kids level. They've got a lot of restrictions if you want to be part of their little their gaming network, yep. which is good. So we're getting really we're getting started with them. Those are probably I would say probably the heavy hitters. We just started carrying a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. We had a lot yeah. of asked about that. So we the brought Force Nine stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh that's our next one. So Battlefront uh, yeah. games. Finally got back in touch with them. So we bringing in Gale Force Nine, Flames of War, Battlefield in a Box, all their stuff. A lot is of great stuff the there. They board
1: games too. Oh yeah, stuff. yeah.
2: They got the new Dune game coming out. It's coming out, uh, I think, in end of October, yeah. early November, something like that. So when I'm
1: hearing you talk, though, I'm I'm thinking of the word diversity. You know, obviously, yes. you're that's you're you're a big proponent for diversity of games. Yep,
2: yep. Product. My my goal is to bring it in to where I want guys. I want to have a small selection of a lot of stuff that's the basic the cores and then order outside of and so our our strategy has been basically about every two weeks we take in all the profits Mm -hmm. you would say and we bring in that next round of games and really listening to people that are coming in right you know a lot of people have come in and said oh do you have this do you have that be like yeah we can get it my follow-up is how many people do you know that actually play it? Yeah. Oh, you right. mean like a, new, a yeah. new game system? Yeah. So, you know, when someone comes in and says, hey, you don't carry Flames of War, it's like, okay, no, I got you. Let me get you down. And then also, too, where do you communicate with Flames of War guys? Like, how do I get into that Facebook group and see how many guys would actually come up? Right? It was the same thing with Kings of War, right? you got to have a group of people that are playing the game yeah. to justify bringing in the range. So so my deal has been, if you got six guys who play the game and will be up here playing, like, right, that's mm-hmm. the other big thing for me. you got to be present right so yeah. if you're not in this building playing the games yeah i'll order whatever you need but realize i'm not gonna carry a whole bunch if you're not here playing because when someone comes in on a saturday i mean you've seen it i've seen it now we got four guys yeah. here who have picked up four games basically because they came in somebody was willing to give them a demo mm-hmm. and they knew you guys were playing that's all Painted models played in public yeah sell games but yeah, and that's the key, and I and I don't think a lot of guys really understand that. That's that's what I'm trying to go with with our whole mentality is it's not just about selling you a product. My point it's a service. is, I want the service and the experience so that when people come, they know I can play my favorite game at this shop relatively easily. Yeah. I don't have to go. It's not always going to be
1: 40k. It can be yeah. Infinity, yeah, whatever.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about some of the other amenities. Obviously, you've got drinks and snacks, right? What's yep. the thought process there? So drinks and snacks, pretty simply. I just don't want you to leave unless you're going to get real tangible food. Yep. And and I'm and I'm hoping, uh, in the next few years, we can add food to our to that's, our. So that that'd be good yeah.
1: down the road as well, because I know a lot of stores like uh, Gigabytes in Marietta, Georgia, they're yep. do a really good
2: job of having actually really good food. Yes. Yes. That's the key. We've actually got one one of our guys, uh, Adam, actually. He's trained to be a short order cook. So some of the amenities, obviously, food and drinks. You know, we're going to be bringing in the locker soon. We're going to have our... We've got one room right now that we are letting people use for D&D mm-hmm. or for whatever nightly events they want. Those are probably some of the some mm. of the biggest things. Yeah,
1: so just talk about your space for a minute. You've got gaming space, obviously, tons of tables. I yes. think there's something like uh 12 full-time tables set up now, 8x4s. Yeah. Plus card tables in the back that additional like for Magic and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, we can if you max out the space, we can do 12 6x4 tables minimum, mm-hmm. and we can do about 60 Card tables for card games. Right. Uh, So you figure anywhere 24 tabletop games, 60 card games can be all played on a Saturday if we really wanted to do that, and then obviously flip either way. Right. So if we don't do the card games, that those 12 tables extend to. We I think the when we mapped it out, it's we could easily do over 50 player tournament in this in this. Four by four by six tables. Yes. And obviously, you've got a paint
1: station coming at some point with the spray yeah. booth,
2: right? Yep. That's the goal, too. The goal will be actually where we're sitting right now is uh, we're going to get a, a high-top uh, table, sp- uh, basically tall table just to mm. let people hobby at. you a you know, bar stool you sit at it, yeah. Yeah, we've got TVs that are going to go up. We actually have them in the back. I just haven't gotten the... Uh, the stuff on the walls. We actually run into a little issue with our cable company. They were supposed to set us up our boxes, and when they did the internet, they forgot to do that. I didn't right. notice it until right. Well, so they got to come go back. But you
1: also have the sink, and you're, you're like yeah. ready to go with the paint station.
2: Oh yeah, you just got to put on it on the in. floor. Yeah. When I was getting the build out, the guy was looking at me I like I was crazy. It's like, "You want a you want a mop sink basically on the actual floor?" I'm like, "Yeah," because I don't want people going to the bathroom. Right? Like no. I don't want you going to the bathroom. No, man, use that sink if you're man.
1: gonna if you're gonna get.
2: A, Sink all painted, yeah. That's the sink to get, not yeah. the ceramic ones that are in the bathroom. No, not 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 ones where I gotta go. And your wife wouldn't appreciate that. Let's be honest. No. Clean bathrooms are important. Clean bathrooms, and not taking up space, right? You know. So we've got water fountains. You know, we want to keep that area clean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, we we want to have the paint set up available. We're bringing in the lockers. You know, we've got some armies that we can demo out right now. So right now we've got a couple forty k armies. We've got some bolt-action conflict armies. As I build uh, my armies for the other, basically, groups, those are going to be armies people can take out. So the idea there is you leave work at 5 o'clock. You don't have time to go home, but you want to try to get a game in. You can set up a game and just borrow one of the store armies to play. So the intention is to have loaner armies for all the different game systems. Which has come in handy for a lot of the guys who are Uh trying to jump into these games is I want the guys to come in, see a game being played, say, what is that? And we're able to hand hand them an army and go.
1: You mentioned the separated gaming room. You'll have actually extra spaces that are segmented off, segregated off, so that they're quieter, and it'd be perfect for an RPG.
2: Yeah, we want to do that. We want to set up uh, one of them for some live stream action. You know, one Absolutely. of the things I want to do and is... And you're want... going to have streaming equipment available to rent, right? Yes. Yeah, that'll be one of the... That's one of our big things, a custom D&D table that'll have a, t- that'll have a TV built in. I've actually got a guy ready to pull the trigger on that. I just got to buy the the right TV to go in it, and then he can start getting that built. Mm-hmm. But really, too, like I was saying before, is not not diving into the deep end, right? So. That's something that can come later yeah and and then that's where we're at right now where you know that one room out of three that's been basically partitioned off for that yeah it's only been used like four nights a week so at this point it's not really profiting right yes and until it gets and this is what I told you guys is that we'll rent those rooms out. Once it becomes supply and demand. Yep. Once right. you have so, enough
1: demand, that yeah. You need it. So, yeah. My let's bet. talk about the, obviously your three D printing services. You're getting up and running. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we've got the uh, we've got the resin printers that are already up and running. Actually, I've got one on tilt. And right you have now an, the an Is that a photon? Photon. Photon. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the photon, and it's it's uh, what we've been doing so far is a lot of Hero Forge. So Heroforge Forge has their little. Uh, you know, buy the model, get the file, whatever. I think it's like seven bucks. It's STL file, yeah. And, then, and you can download yeah. it
1: and then bring it into the shop and say, "Here you go." Yeah. Prim-alive.
2: So we've we got a lot of D and D guys that have been starting their new campaigns or storylines, yeah. and uh, so basically, I'm printing off those for about ten bucks a pop. Guys that start asking for other stuff like that, and then I've just got a printer that uh, you actually carried yeah, in, Creology. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an uh, amazing printer. It's
1: huge. And, yeah. You it's know, but you're Mr. Moneybag, so that's yeah, nothing, no, just nothing. throwing out coin. Exactly.
2: But uh. you also started painting classes last night. We did. We did. So we've got Intro to Paintings. We're going to try to do those probably every other week. Uh, looking for anywhere between about two to eight people. No, yep. no Nothing too small. But can definitely be too big. Got a guy, uh, Zach, who works up here. He uh, has been painting demo armies for GW for, for a lot of years. And so he started doing our painting classes up here with us. So we're doing an intro to painting. Yep. Uh, that's probably going to be our first one. We'll mm-hmm. see how that gets traction. Last night we had four people come out and do it. So relatively cost for cost. You, know, you so just want people to come in and it's an amenity, it's a perk. So the way it's working, it's just work charging 10 bucks. And you walk away with a brush that costs seven fifty, right? And then you get to use the other stuff. So like last night, it worked out well. You know, I'll be greedy, right? So we let them use all the prime stuff, right? The really nice Citadel water pot. Oh yeah, you're selling. Your it's a marketing grooves, tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little little hobby handles, and you know, three of the people that went to the class, they went up front and bought all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it worked out well for us both ways. But it gives people a chance to play with that stuff too. And I noticed um, you were using Army Painter last night. Yeah, we yeah we had some Army Painter paints mixed in with some G-Dubs. so. Kind of showing them both ways of what you can use to uh, to do stuff. Um, so we're going to do that one first. And then we're also going to probably next month we're going to do a terrain class. Yes. So we're going to teach people how to do some stuff with some terrain, how to work with foam, uh, show them both how you can do stuff with uh, hot foam cutters or really just even a razor blade and a heat gun or something. A it's different steel stuff steel like
1: ruler. That. Obviously, a lot of what you can bring into this, not everybody's going to want to spend thousands of dollars on all the stupid equipment. And no. if you can bring it to the store and then you can leverage it in a way you know oh yeah
2: that's what, what you like can make deal.
1: your own static grass tufts. You, know, you can do mm-hmm. you can make hills and all and Yeah, it's all super simple you just got to have the right tools
2: yeah i would i would love <laughs> to get to a point where basically guys come in to use the hobby area and we basically say hey we got a heat gun we got this we got this you can run them the whole deal nothing crazy no just no enough to just cover you want to cover the, the cost and
1: you, you want to make it worthwhile for the store too because they yeah. are taking up space
2: yeah, so I think I think stuff like that'll be the differences, right? Because we want to teach people the hobby aspect if that's what they want to learn. I think really the other side of it too, and you see that just from most hobby stores, is if you don't have people in a being a part of the process of building terrain, doing the hobby aspects, then doesn't matter how great your stuff is to start, it can just start getting destroyed, right? Because there's not a buy-in from the community as far as how it was done. Exactly. What
1: other services are you looking to add down the road to the War Room? Ooh.
2: Or did we cover everything? We covered quite a bit of stuff. I'm trying to think. I mean, one of the probably, you know, maybe not a service, but just things that'll be here readily available is the board game library. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get that going. I've um, had a couple people interested in helping me get that going, just haven't really concreted that group in. Yeah. Um, so would like to do that because um, I'm I'd sure like the to get companies will
1: donate. I mean, I'm sure there's companies that, that you have yeah. business relationships would be happy to provide you demo copies of some of their. Uh, more popular titles.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what we're working on right now. Um, one of the other things is really just the consistent events. Right. That's, that's that's where I'd like to get going. You know, we've got some event calendars we're going to put up, mm-hmm. uh, but really get to the point where at least every Saturday, big or small, there's something going on. There's. I want something going on so people can come in and see people doing hobbies like right. today. I think we've got a guy doing the new Clone Wars set. A guy got yep. early somehow. Yep. Shame on you. Well, him. no, he got it.
1: He got on time. It. He, you, yeah. You, he but got everybody it else from Fantasy Flight yeah. got it. Got it later.
2: So, he's uh, but then you got guys. Demo, you guys yeah. got
1: painting. You got some Infinity yeah. going on. Some 40k. Yeah, and it's I, nice to see a busy shop. And I
2: think that's the that's the thing we're looking for. We're looking for mainly to where. You can walk around and see every aspect of the hobby in one store. Absolutely. So now we're going to talk about some important stuff.
1: Gaming stores have a lot of little weird ideas to pull customers in and give them the sense of investment in the store. You know, you have the, com- the table rental fees is a popular one. You touched on the membership. Let's talk about that a little bit, you know. yeah. Where did that idea come from and why are you going that route? Because I mean, from just seeing from the standing
2: 40,000 feet away – it looks like it's working. I'm not a big fan of table fees simply because I want the guy who doesn't have any money to still be able to come in and play with the guy who does. And so, table fees to me for smaller spaces I think work. But one of our niches I think, uh, you know, a, you know, a divider between us and other people is we have lots of tables. So it's hard for me to say, oh yeah, you got to pay five bucks, but yet there's, there's nobody playing on tons seven other of tables. tons of. You're not, I mean, yeah. it
1: would be a hard. Hard sale. You'd have to be a tournament going on for you to have all your tables full.
2: Exactly. One of the ways that we're trying to balance that out is with the membership. So what we're doing is we're, you know, we've already got a slight discount on some of our products. Mm -hmm. So with our membership, that discount goes up. Mm -hmm. So we've got a monthly fee. We're going to try to do some type of bank withdrawal. But I'm talking to the bank. They want a lot of money, so we got to find out a second. So right now you're just doing it. Like if
1: you want to do an annual membership, it's just a one time purchase, and then yeah. when the fee, when it's up, then you'll have to just pay it again.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you got you can buy it for one month, you can buy it for the year, and that's you know that's one of the perks. Obviously get that extra discount, but then as we get busier, you know as we're telling people is like you'll have the ability to reserve tables. So that'll right. be that. There will be that aspect to where you know we got a guy who every Sunday reserves two tables as a member, even though we're not busy. But he's like, hey, I'm I'm planting my flag right now.
1: Yeah. You know, and then, I want people to know this is my yeah. real estate.
2: uh uh-huh. And <laughs> I paid for uh, it. and and they did, like legitimately, they're paying for it, yep. right? So these guys paying the membership fee also too, like so the paint class we did last night, you know, they're getting twenty-five percent off stuff like that. So if you're in a league, if you're doing painting classes, if you're doing an escalation, right. if you're gonna do a tournament, you'll get a discount off of things like that to get your money back. So yeah. it's really just the point of like like I think you said is like some guys try to run a store like a club yeah so you're doing that club fee almost but at the same time there's a lot of perks that go in with that because you know it's it's the old amazon adage, right like amazon prime members they pay more for their products than they would if they went to walmart or other places yeah like it's 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 out there now like that's that's an actual fact is that you're paying for amazon prime now because you want to be a prime member not because you're getting great deals like you can get next day shipping from Walmart, you can get next day shipping from Target, you'll pay less for it. But it's just something in the brain. It's just a convenience factor. Yeah, it's a convenience One-stop factor. One stop shop of this. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things that's nice with memberships too is, you know, when there is new releases or if there's something people want to order, like there's no argument. There's no drive up to the shop, go prepay for the item. You know, one thing we're telling members is just shoot us a message, right? So you got us on Discord, you got yep. us wherever, you got us on Facebook, shoot it to me. We'll lock it in. We'll confirm we got it. We'll get it ordered when it comes in. You'll you let us know. know. you got it. Hey, and you have a little, almost like the comic book shop where you've got like little oh, shelves, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. It's getting quite, getting pretty full right now.
1: Yeah, and, and your own employee cam seems to be using it the most
2: oh yes yes it's good when does he even get paid or does he just no he he just he gets paid in product i guess yeah it's it's uh it's almost just a like for like it's like here's your check okay run your card yeah i mean the membership is probably i think you know our way to try to give ownership to the players that this is their that this is their place Mm -hmm. so and how's it been received so far really good really good you know, we, we we mentioned a couple of folks earlier that have been helping out. You know, Morgan get, Evans. Yeah, Morgan, um, Nick with his buying power. Yeah, Nick you know, Gunther Nick is Nick a he's a juggernaut of I'm buy. Pretty sure he's already covered his membership fee. Uh, oh, already. at least so he's good. He's good till till uh, probably twenty twenty five to where this will be good for him. So we've only been open since the sixteenth of August, mm-hmm. and I think we're at twenty five. That's pretty good, and we've had a lot of people that I did not know prior. Yeah, that have just come in, and once they've you know seen kind of the information, well, you're, they're ready. Essentially, to go. you're getting a
1: bigger discount. So, yeah. if you buy enough stuff, if you think oh, about yeah. it, think of think of yeah. it from that way.
2: I mean, I know it's probably not good logic, but it's. Well, it is because if you do if you do the one year, I mean, it's it's like fourteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, a month. is what it ends up being. Yeah. So as long as you're spending that much, then you're gonna get what you want. Exactly. And it'll bounce out at different times, right? So when that new big release drops, and you, yeah, third edition goes, Kings hey. of War,
1: yeah, let me spend three four hundred bucks.
2: Yeah. Boom. So and
1: then there may be months that it'd be a little more dry, which is yeah, fine.
2: Exactly, and that's what you expect because I, I don't know about most people, but like for me, when I was gaming mm-hmm. heavily and not spending money on a store i mean i was dropping a couple hundred bucks every month absolutely on just anything because i'm also the mentality too where if i go to a store to play i was always trying to buy something absolutely and this obviously too flips the script on that one where it's like well if you're gonna be here every week like don't feel like you gotta drop 20 bucks you do a membership like you you've got you have your, dropped your yeah you know, you've dropped that yeah. money and well i think coming it, in and enjoy it, it, it does for the
1: stores that don't have the memberships pay where you play is the rule yeah. and so like even when I would go to Mid-South Hobbies I would have to find something to purchase because I mean it's just my thing right Uh, the reality is they didn't always have what I wanted so Uh there's only so many bottles of glue you can buy and so it's nice to
2: you can only peruse the scenic stuff
1: Correct. I mean I I pretty much have all the styrene I have all the Uh foam I have all the terrain stuff I, I don't need any more flock so now th- i think the concept long term is going to be really well suited for memphis and, and, and to be fair it's not been i don't think anybody's tried that here
2: no and that was one of the other pieces too as i look to see what people have done in the past talking to people that have been here for a while and say i don't want to try to go rehash something that somebody else has already done so we'll give this a shot i know a lot of stores yeah. that have done this kind of thing in the past you know i know uh, one of the, one of the stores that i took a lot of the ideas with was when Fantasy Flight opened up their their game center, right? Mm-hmm. So they did something similar to this when they did their game center. And I was like, you know, that's a really cool idea. I'd be down with that with as much as I spend. And also, too, just wanted to support like a, a store itself. right? That, this is the kind of stuff that I think would be really cool. So it's been well-received, and so far it's going, going so well for So let's talk
1: about running a store. So do you prefer dealing with companies directly or through a distributor? I assume the discounts are better when you go direct. But then, yeah, the amount you have to buy to hit those free shipping thresholds. Yeah,
2: that's the mix, right? So, you know, there's some distributors. The there's some there's some companies, um, right? So, like I'll mention two of them again: Warlord no, yeah. and GW. Yep, awesome to deal with. Okay, um, and why is that from the from the aspect of the ordering power, right? So once you're a stockist, once you once you've secured that minimum amount that you say I'm gonna have this all the time. Yep, then basically I just order whatever I want, and yep. they don't charge me extra. Right. So I'm not paying for shipping. You've already invested at that point. Because my shelves have, you know, $5,000 worth of your stuff on it. Yep. So please, if I only this week need $100, just send me $100. Some of them, you know, you got to hit minimums. Right. And those minimums don't even necessarily get you anything. Right. So like, and I won't mention the ones that have the, 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 the worst sets, but you know, like one of them out there is I got to pay 250 pounds of product and they still charge me shipping. And in my mind, I'm like, if you're going to charge me shipping either way, then let me buy $30 worth of stuff and be done, pay the shipping, get it over here to fulfill this order, Yeah. as opposed to me having to like, you'll run into that. There's a handful of them like that, right? So you've got to spend a minimum amount with a direct to company or else they just won't even fulfill your order because it's right. not worth their time. Your problem with some of your distributors is just that it's almost like once they once they sell out of that stock, they're done. And you're just waiting, and you have no idea when they're gonna get it back in. And then you gotta go hunt it down yourself. Like, there's a lot of times where, for some of our orders for customers, I basically went out and bought it. Like, I will say, there's been three or four times in the first month we've been open, I've had to go buy my stuff from a store I used to go to in St. Louis to Mm -hmm. make sure I could fulfill an order. And basically lost a couple bucks on those, right, right. but that's just but that's, but that's service that's but, but you're
1: building goodwill and you're building a yeah. service business here. Yeah,
2: and that's kind of the that and that's kind of the um, the problem. And, and you've got some vendors who I think play the game uh, when you mm-hmm. deal with direct with companies is to where they're going to fulfill their direct orders with customers before they fulfill yours. Yeah, and so you play that game kind of like where well, that's weird. Like it's available online, but I can't get it through you. Because you're low in stock, okay, but I can go on your website and buy it. And I've had to do that a couple times, too, which that's a little aggravating. So I think it's a mixed bag. The The distributors are easy because if they have it, oh, my gosh,
1: it's amazing. It's, yeah, like Alliance, if, if, ACD, whatever. Yeah, Boom, if, if, you got if, it. If, uh, so, well, I guess you're in a case you're using Southern. Yeah, mostly. if
2: Southern Hobby has it or if hmm. Alliance has it and I can just add it to my order, it's amazing. Like I will say from, an, from a systems, not all the product that they have, but Alliance, they have it down from a systems aspect. Yeah. I mean, I can basically tell my guys up here, you know, just keep adding to the order, add to the order, add to the order, add to the order. And then every Monday, I just look at the whole order. And, and I say, so yep, we want to go to click. Yeah, and it's and it's great, right? But you got to find those little nuances. Like one thing I didn't realize in the first, like, two weeks was that some of their stuff, you don't get a discount on. They're just selling it to you at, like, the regular price. And so just having to, like, figure out those dynamics. I see. Because uh, that's what got us in with Asmodee was... I'm reaching out to them I'm like, hey, dude, I didn't get I didn't get my you know forty percent off of this Star Wars stuff, and they're like, oh, well, you have to, you have to you, contact them, get a license through them, then come I back see. to us, and then it's just like, shoot me. Well, then when I reached out to Asmoni, it's funny they have no problem like stabbing each other in the back. Oh sure, like you well, call that. I mean, I would
1: assume if you're a good enough customer, they'd want you to go direct.
2: Oh yeah, that's basically what they're doing. like. You can either deal with us or you can deal with them. You have to make your decision, and I'm like, right. okay, well, I mean, there's
1: benefits to both, right?
2: Exactly, and that's the thing. Like, I would not tell anybody one or the other. Yeah, I would just say you got to decide what does your player base have, right? So if you know you can order a bunch of stuff all mm-hmm. at once and you're going to do it consistently, go straight to the manufacturer if you can, right? So let's talk about Manta Games. Obviously, you've dealt with Kyle Preselinski. Yeah. How's he been to deal with? He's been good. He's been real good. He sent us some stuff to try to get us going. Honestly, you know, we had that, they threw out that little blurb out there for us, which was yeah. good. Yeah, they we, had like a little retail snapshot.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, great. the store. Yeah. I wish I would have known they were going to use my terrible pictures, though. Yeah, because <laughs> I could have taken you know I, I could have made Austin take a shower and comb his exactly. hair a little bit. Make, it looked make like it a heathen, but you know, yeah. it
2: is what it is. It's bad when they all got their cut off shirts. Absolutely, it's like so, so, Memphis look good. so. Kyle's
1: been uh, pretty good to deal with so far.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I think one of the cool things with uh, dealing with Mantic so far is I haven't run into the out of stock issues. Yeah, which is actually pretty surprising. So I will say, going into it, I was like, I know they're a small shop, and I was thinking because Warlord kind of has an issue where you know. They'll run out of stock and it takes a while because it's not a very big outfit. Yeah. I mean, Mantic has maybe
1: twenty-five employees.
2: Yeah. So I was a little worried with dealing with them, but so far everything's good. been great. Uh, looking forward to the to the new edition, and also looking forward to some of their new armies I think they've got coming out. See if that drives up some stuff. But you know, I threw the first batch out there and I think we sold through about half of it. So yep. that was good. Yep. So now it's just gonna be a point of keeping it in stock, you know. I think what's nice is just the variety. Of mm-hmm. some of these other companies. Yeah. Like, what I like about Mantic, too, is they've got the other lines, right? They've got other games outside Dead Zone of and, just... Yeah,
1: Vanguard, yeah. Kings of War, and then they've got all the board games, Hellboy, and, and yeah. Walking Dead is one we, ha- we haven't we have really started to... I mean, I, I guarantee you that it would sell, because oh, Walking yeah. Dead's a huge brand, right? So. Yes, yeah. But yeah, it's it just it's just it's tough because you
2: you got to find somebody that's passionate about zombies. Exactly, you got to find that person who's willing to you know. Get and, mo- a group and Morgan together. can
1: only be passionate about ten games. You know, that eleventh exactly. game is just one bridge too many.
2: He's you know? got too many flags. Is carrying absolutely. He falls so, down. So
1: what is Mantic doing well? You know, you obviously are dealing with all these different companies: the Warlords, the GWs. When you compare Mantic to those, what are the things that they're succeeding on, and then the flip side is what are the areas they need to do better job
2: of? Succeeding wise to help out from a retailer standpoint is probably the they're not locked in on days of the week, right? And but what I mean by that is there's certain distributors who you got to order, order on Tuesday day. delivers on a Friday or whatever. yeah, like so they're very much like this is the only time you can do this, which becomes a problem. Well, for me, for having two jobs, well that so and you have like, people want a special order. So what yeah. you're saying is Mantic just says give me an order. Exactly. Just give and me we'll an figure it out, and we'll put it through. Um, that's probably the number one thing. Number two, good, good discount for uh, stores. So I mean, right. my my plug to most stores out there is give them a chance. You know that that extra five percent that they give on top of other people, it doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it's enough to get them a shelf space. Right. Right. So and that's and that's my way. Like if you want real estate in the store, and you can offer me a little bit better of a deal. Great, and that's not a better deal because of anything special they did. Like that's just their standard. Yep. Now they do have a minimum for yep. shipping, which, which is I what I don't What's mind. It, is that. it yeah, three hundred dollars? Three hundred dollars. That's not a big deal to me. Like I respect that. And no, that but that's three hundred dollars. Your price. Yes. So
1: it's much more than that from a retail perspective.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. But I think you. I think that's where you go back to the whole six or more players to carry a product. Yep. Is that you know you would hope you know like I look at last week. Last week we had two guys order Mega Armies. Yep. Well, shoot, that's halfway to my target. So there's no reason why I can't find other stuff. So that's why when this week when you come in, you're like, man, he's got Kings of War bases. Because I'm like, well, I'm not sure what else to buy. JD literally asked
1: me yesterday what kind of bases. I said, well, we, we can go the MDF route, but just have Mike order you the, the plastic bases.
2: Yeah. And now and we that, got them. And they're
1: here without even.
2: Yeah. And those are the kind of things that I look for, right? So when I say I, I take that money back is, so if I got two guys both spending 150 bucks on those armies, well, now I know I got $75 from each one of them, Yep. so now I got $150. So I'm going to spend $150, not on the same stuff, but I'm yep. going to say, okay, let's bring in three or four of these. Let's bring in yep. three or four of these, the peripherals that people need, and they make it easy, right? Because yep. they're not charging me like a minimum like to get a tray. I don't have to buy six of them, right? Yep. I don't have to do crap like that. Yeah. And that's something else that I really like about some of the other distributors. I can buy one-off stuff. I don't have to buy bundles of stuff. Yep. Where it's like, no, really, I need one of these. I don't need six. Exactly, like, and that's me. maybe a trick
1: that they're learning from GW in terms of it's it's a, the, the total package. Yeah, not all your customers want bases, but some do, and if there's a convenience factor there, yes. it's, it's the Amazon Prime thing all over again. Oh like, yeah. Oh, I, I, yes, I can buy MDF bases, but I can also go to the shelf and buy this package of plastic uh-huh. bases, and I can, and then they're already pre-scored, and I can cut them down, and I can.
2: Yes. And people I
1: move the models together and they look fine and they work great. Yeah.
2: And I think one of the other things that they do a really good job of is not being worried about the models themselves because I think the other stuff can fill in. You know, their uh, the terrain stuff that you that you uh talked to me about. People are like, people are picking that up like crazy looking at it and yeah. just making sure that that's something that they would want to do. Yeah. And so having that that extra Right, that plus those little plus one items. They have a lot of filler, filler items to keep them going. Yeah. What are some
1: things that Mantic can do a better job of when you compare them to other other manufacturers of
2: tabletop war games? Man, that's a good question. I mean, you can uh, always give a bigger discount, right? They could. They could always give a bigger discount. I think probably the one thing I would give them is the same issue that I think I have with the other UK-based mm-hmm. is. The time zone difference, right? Yeah. So even though I can order whenever I want, I'm still stuck in that paradigm where I've got to almost mentally decide, like, okay, I got to get him the order in by a certain time today so that he can get the order into them. So Kyle can give working. it to Martin
1: in the UK. Yeah. And Martin can. Get- and
2: then they can actually fulfill it. So touching all those bases, I think, is probably one that's a little annoying because it's it shipping take- from the UK. Yeah, shippings from the UK too. So, so that nice. so that would
1: be an area where they can improve. They can build a warehouse here, right?
2: Yeah, either build a yeah, get a warehouse here, get a distributor here. I think that's probably the other big challenge too. Is a lot of the distributors, they have they have a little taste of Mantic stuff. Don't have they the full range. They don't really carry. They the have range. their like top
1: products, but they don't have everything. Yeah.
2: Now they'll they'll have it like in their catalog. I think that's again what we were talking about before, which was it seems like once some once some of these uh, distributors go through their stock, they're done. They're not going to restock it or be very,
1: very selective if they
2: came back and restocked it. So I think that would be probably pretty helpful as far as from a speed standpoint. But I will say from a positive, you know, I mean, I can get that order. If I order on a Monday, I'm getting it by Thursday or Friday. So they do a really good job of sending it too. That's really nice. You know, comparing them to uh, like their their peer over there, Warlord. Mm -hmm. Literally like down the street. Yes. Now, the challenge with them is it's I get the order on Monday. I don't get it. Till the following Thursday or Friday. And so I think that's probably the other thing, too, that I like about them is they put the order in, they go ahead and get it ready to ship, and it goes yeah. out. So I guess that's a good Martin yes. Martin and Kyle are doing they're what they doing, need to do. And that's why I'm very surprised, knowing how small they are, is just knowing that their turnaround has been... Awesome. Maybe it's just you. Maybe you just maybe you just, they're just maybe, maybe they're to. just
1: giving you the best service. I
2: love it. I love it. Well, hopefully they'll keep it up so we can keep it going. Absolutely. There's nothing more disappointing, honestly, than well when you it's spend another two weeks. To yeah. Get your stuff. Well, if
1: somebody asks you to order something and they're like, "Oh, it's another da da da," it's like, "Oh, uh,
2: yeah, yeah." I'm dealing I, with I, that today.
1: I understand. Well, I mean, we, you know, we're we're sitting here on a Saturday. The fancy flight debacle with Star Wars Legion, right? It's one thing. Oh yeah. Which I guess some stores got it. I guess if you're a big customer, you got it. Yeah. Like miniature market. It was
2: apparently it was a mistake. Okay. That's what they tell me. Okay. So I'm but mistakes like, okay. don't pay
1: the bills, right? Exactly. Uh, I, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm fond of the, the term, you know, I don't want excuses. I just want results.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so That's all it is. Like, I don't want to hear the why. I want to hear the when. Exactly. When do I get my stuff so my people will be happy?
1: So from the perspective of the store, let's talk about Kickstarter. Because you, you touched on it a little bit earlier. What's your, what's your thoughts? I mean, uh, obviously, before you owned a store, you have a different philosophy on Kickstarter. Oh. And, that, and now, it probably, as a store owner, has it hasn't changed your perspective and where you are sitting. What do you think about Kickstarter now and its um, impact
2: on the retail gaming I, space? I get both sides of it. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's nice to get that, like, boost of sales, but I still think there's a risk, right? Like, you know, I'm going to look over across my shoulder and I'm going to say, I got a pile of Beastgrave GW stuff, right? If if it's a Kickstarter, I don't have that big pile of stuff right there, right? It, no, it, because the Alpha Gamers have already bought it. They've already bought it, right? But you know they're going to buy it. Whereas this stuff has been released today, yeah. and I've got 10 of them. I haven't sold any of them. But so I just spent a bunch of money. Yeah. Well, right, like that's it. Like it will, but did they all just go online and buy them anyway? I see. Cuz I think I think a lot of your alphas, they're not necessarily unless they're a member at the war room hobbies right. and you get that extra yeah. discount. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like they're just going to go online and buy it anyway. So to me, the kickstarters never really bothered me. Hmm. I do think it helps once you have a player base. When they're doing their fourth Kickstarter, for their game system, I think at that point you need to take a look back and be like, if it's big enough to be sustainable, yes. then you can probably live. You don't need it. Yeah, like point. I've I've uh, I've been looking at some kickstarters uh, now for the terrain to go with our new printers. Yeah, and I think it's funny when I read it and it's like, this is our sixth Kickstarter, right. so we're gonna be successful. I'm like, why are you doing a Kickstarter? Like, uh, it's almost like they don't have a storefront and they just want to use yes. it as a marketing tool. Yes, and I think for those guys, if that's the, the ploy, right? Because terrain's not gonna be something that somebody carries, but these these miniature games, yeah. Like those are things that I think those companies did to try to work with their with their with their groups more. Because there's so many, which is very surprising to me. They just don't deal with retailers. It's interesting, something you said
1: though, I have never actually considered, but even from the perspective of a store, Kickstarter does create a fledgling community, right? It yeah. it plants the seed. Yep. And maybe there is a benefit to the retail space and it's by quick. having that little bit of Alpha Gamer. Those small few guys that clump together and then and that and those guys get together and that's the basis of this community that you are able yeah. to create and leverage.
2: And, and the, I never thought about that. And the only way you can join that little niche group that you found is now you gotta go to the store and buy the game. Yeah. So to me, I think it's fine. I think it's fine as long as it's not these companies that are, you know, using it as their main source of income. I, I'm super excited. You know, obviously
1: we've went through second edition Kings of War yeah. on Kickstarter. But third edition, basically, Ronnie said on our podcast today, we're at a point we don't need Kickstarter for this product. It is it is yeah. it's a live product. It's not going anywhere. I'm excited about what the future holds for that, because, I mean, I think this will have a pretty reasonable sell through for third edition books and box yeah. sets and gamers collections and all that stuff. And I'm, I think it's going to be a nice shot in the arm to many, many game stores around the world that are it, playing. It Kings of War.
2: it will. I think what it'll do is it'll concrete the, the real estate for Kings of War in stores. Because that is, that is the comeback, right? It's like, well, why would I give you space? Exactly. If you're going to get your initial drug punch from Kickstarter. Yeah. Right? Whereas another Kickstarter, you know, they have to. Because the stores, like, I, I've got, I, just being even brand new, I get emails, like, just all the time to our website saying, hey, would you carry this? I'm like, I've never heard of you. Yeah. No. Like. If you, if I had a player that asked for it, or five, or six yeah. or in your case
1: six players that asked for it, exactly.
2: then I would consider it. But. You know, and I did the same thing. You know, I just did this with Flames of War on our Discord channel for the store and on the Facebook page. I'm like, hey, who plays Flames of War? Who's? Who, what are some ideas on what we should bring in? Yeah, nothing. Battlefield yeah. in the Box, though? Well, that stuff will sell all day because you've, you've got stuff for Legion.
1: You've got stuff for Flames of War. You have stuff for Bolt Action. Yeah. Uh, you just have General Fantasy terrain. Yeah,
2: I just ordered a bunch of the huts. Forty, I love them, dude. Those, yeah, or, or, they're great. Those Chieftain huts, Awesome, uh-huh. dude. I think that's where – I think all that has a place, and you you don't have to – Here's the thing, right? Like, if people enjoy Come to Your Place, they're going to buy stuff. Yeah. And I want the people here. Like, we're going to do something here shortly for our Knights – you know, something like on Wednesday nights and things like that. Mm-hmm. We started out with the, uh, we did the 40K escalation this past Thursday. Right. We're going to start doing giveaways at the shop, right? We're also going to start doing stuff where we're just basically not not pay where you play, but but uh, get paid where you play. So yeah. we're going to start doing some stuff where determining how many games you play at the shop, gets you thrown into a raffle system. Nice. Yeah. Then and that's and when it's not want. based on performance. It's based on participation. 100 percent like we're going to basically put that put it out there like if you're gaming here for two hours you and your opponent come up throw your name in the hat so once we get so many but isn't
1: andrew malik just going to win them all because he's always here
2: yes yes edwin and andrew uh and edwin who's they, not here yet Which, yeah he's not he'll be here later though he was here for the painting class yeah i you saw know, whatever new line we got edwin is uh right there with us but it is it's to really reward the guys who are who are up here and they're getting the hobby going because without them the store is going to 100 percent Absolutely. itself. How's the store been received
1: by the Memphis gaming community so far?
2: So far, really good. Really good. We have had tons of people that have come in that I've never talked to, have heard word of mouth. That's probably been our biggest thing so far because yeah. really we've not done any advertisement pushes based on the simple fact that Still want the regular people, the hardcore players, to come in and help us decide what to carry, and then get the decorations, get stuff like that up. So everything has really been just grassroots. Absolutely, because we've had a lot of hiccups. We've had hiccups like our TV not TV's not working. Yeah. we've had hiccups where. Well, it's you kind of just you stuff, said the soft
1: is, opening, right? Yeah, and so you'll eventually get to the point where everything's in place. Paint station's here, and, and then we can the, go ham, can do yeah. a real a real a real opening.
2: Yeah, because the worst thing you want to do is you don't want to waste money marketing. And then people come in and it's just like, well, I thought you're going to have this. Oh, you don't have that. I thought you're going to have this. You don't have that. And then they're not coming back
1: because you've disappointed them in some way. Is there anything you wish you could could tell yourself two, three months ago before you opened
2: that, man, I wish I would have done something differently? I think what I'd probably tell myself about six months ago is like, don't do it. Yeah, a lot of work. work. So much work, which I kind of expected to work. But it does. It just gets tiring on uh, dealing with the city. We were supposed to open in May. Yep. Didn't open until August. You you needed
1: permits and stuff.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Just a lot of that stuff was just almost to the point where we wanted to throw in the towel, honestly, where it was just like, man, this just isn't even worth it. Probably the other side would be really working with other store owners outside the area with Mm -hmm. who are the best vendors. Because I did that a little bit, but I think I could have done it a lot more probably the the other piece too was that how do you really you know who are your number one groups to go through mm-hmm. and kind of take it from there and then to probably rally our community leaders a little bit more in some other areas not that we've done a bad job but no that, i
1: mean there's certainly some pockets of there's certainly some gaming communities that have really showed up yeah maybe there's some that aren't as active as they could be
2: yeah there was a there was a lot of talk right there's you usually figure out out of ten people that say they're going to do something, one or two are going to follow through. Everybody gets busy, right? So yeah. I think that's the challenge thing too with gamers: is just get people locked in, get dates, get people you know to where they're ready to go. Absolutely, but be prepared to you know lay down the law if you have to with yep. with folks that have to understand like this is still a business. And yep, we gotta make money. You no, know, we're gonna do. Well, X, I mean, X, you Z. gotta pay.
1: You, you want a place to play? Then we have to pay for this.
2: Oh yeah, I mean oh, it's yeah.
1: no different than if you wanted to have a nice gaming place in your house. Well, you got to be able to pay rent, or you got to you know same thing.
2: Yeah, and that's it goes back to what I said at the beginning, which was being really hardcore with your with your, uh, with the owner of the building. Yeah. So like even some areas where I kind of took a step back and gave. If I go back, I probably wouldn't do that. Now. After knowing what I know with with the build out, with some of the issues that we've had, mm-hmm. I, I would probably go back in that situation really be and I would not inst- have given anything. Right. I wouldn't have moved back even an inch on stuff. Yeah. Uh, where we did and it didn't come back to bite us, but other stuff has come up to where I'm just like, wow, okay. You know, just very surprised. Nothing that's cost us money or anything. A lot of yeah. it's just. Um, Inconvenience. It's inconvenience and very clearly people that really have never done any other type of work. They're not in the service. Yeah, and I think the challenge, and I would tell anybody, if you're going to rent property from anybody, try to understand what generation you're dealing with. Are you dealing with the generation who actually went out and bought the the property? Yeah. Or are you dealing with like the third generation who inherited the property? Right. And maybe doesn't really know what they're doing, because that will also determine a lot of things. Because you'll get a lot of promises from your second and third generation owners that your first generation owners won't do absolutely but you'll have more follow-through from your first generation owners compared to your second and third who just want you to kind of go with the flow absolutely so a lot of that stuff i could still probably you know look at again which is good because this isn't this is not a learning experience yeah this is so when you open up
1: the second war room exactly you'll have a lot more knowledge
2: exactly yeah we're we uh we do we do have some we do have some plans to well the family has some plans to open up something else in about two years hoping it can be a second hobby store but if not we've got some other things we want to do
1: awesome have you adjusted the plan since opening those are things that you you didn't foresee and just said look I'm gonna call an audible or is it the plan really went to went the way you expected
2: yeah for the most part uh, we haven't called too many audibles I think the biggest thing is just instead of it being an audible maybe called timeout probably the
1: best way or to just it.
2: A, a pause right you're just yeah. you're just saying yeah.
1: delays like something you were expecting to do now we're going to wait to build that up until
2: yes yeah. yes there's been a lot of that there's been a lot of um just moving around what's the priorities as opposed to like rushing into things and i think that's the probably been the toughest part with with community folks mm-hmm. uh guys working at the shop even you know my personal once is really having to hit you know slow those down yep And make sure we don't basically blow out our entire you know savings on what we want to do so playing the long game as opposed to playing the short game awesome so what about the store what do you want people to know biggest thing i want people to know is that you know our intention is create a great environment to build community to build up gaming groups and have a place where i don't want you to get burnt out gaming and what i mean by that is i want you to be able to come in and play multiple games So that when one game just seems like it's 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 hit its course. It's hit its course or it's in a different lane than where you want to drive today, that you have something else to go to and play. Yep. Because it's about the people that you're here with. And you want it to be I want this place to be where a guy (laughs) you know, whether he's young or old, middle aged, you know, old or young. You're coming here to get away from what it is that's outside of here. Absolutely. Right? And enjoy your time here, and that's it. The eternal truth, though, I think, is that it's about the people, and the game is secondary. Yes, exactly. Like, you want to have fun. You want to trash talk about something that really doesn't matter in life. Playing with plastic toy soldiers.
1: Yes. It doesn't get any less important in the world.
2: Yeah, and it should provide happiness for you. And So if we can teach you how to do something better, if we can introduce you to a new game that's cool, You know, like we've got our kids here today. Yeah, like that was even
1: though you know you would think they'd be playing magic or board games because we brought all that stuff. They're playing Minecraft on the iPad. So yes, exactly. Some things never change.
2: No, no, no. But we can try. We We can can try.
1: try. The younger generation. I don't have a lot of hope.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. Thanks, Mike, for coming on. Heck yeah, man! Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to the shop.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.